Hello, I'm Melody Asani. I'm Julie Burns Walker. Together, we welcome you to the Butterfly Forecast. So, Nabs. Yes. It's funny because earlier Julie was like, how are we going to start the episode? And I was like, let's just be free and do it as it goes. And now I'm like, uh. <laughs> well, we were talking about the profundity of your movie. And it seems that you're bringing out so many profoundly deep hidden pockets mm. and stories that we don't understand and we have never addressed. And you've done it through your film. As we were reading the backdrop of your story in Gully, I was wondering immediately, how do you manage to hold like as a container those stories without it ripping you apart? Like, is mm. the storytelling you're healing or are you healing because we are going to get to see that story and we're going to address and, and we, we're not going to just address it. We're going to go through it. I think that was my goal. Mm. I think that's one thing I'm even personally trying to figure out myself. If like, cause I think just in my whole career and life, I guess, just pushing things aside and working, 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 working and doing whatever I can. And then trying to always stay aligned with who I am, but me also being confused at who I am and like just moving around a lot as a kid and not having a good grounding and all these things. And then, but Along the way, picking up so many stories through documentary photography, through doing videos, through just meeting people in life and traveling and then getting that perspective and then coming across the script. And this was like an amalgamation almost of all the feelings that I had felt through my own journey and like my own lack of things. And, mm. But yeah, like this whole film has been a, such a, meditative experience not meditative like nuts actually they <laughs> say not meditative just a crazy experience and i'm figuring it out now like that's an interesting question because i'm like really trying to figure it out because it make when i hear you say yeah i've been holding on to it a lot i've been holding it in every bit of my body mm. and my goal was just to put it out there and hopefully people would get it and hopefully people would see it and i'm still struggling with the fact of people seeing it but I'm happy when I hear from people who have seen it because then I can see that I my goal was, you know, is a conversation. Right. Well, I was wondering about it also because it hits me very personally. And in my work, I take people's stories in first as their entry point. And of course, they're just going to share the pain. Mm. But my relief comes when I get to see the greater them. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the pain story isn't the only story. We're going to see the evolution of the pain story into their true purpose and reality. And I wonder what's what's your equivalent as a filmmaker? Where do you hope we go with these stories? You know, like, how is how are we going to change because of those stories? I think it's just showing something that usually isn't shown that way. Mm. It's usually has an agenda or a point of view or a, I mean, not saying there wasn't in this in some ways, of course, but I think it was to humanize or at least just show that there is things that lead up to people 
acting the way they do. Mm. There's a cause and effect that happen. And people actually see these stories or uh, without going into until the ending of the film, but like you could look differently at something or you could open your eyes or actually do something or say something and change someone's life. Mm-hmm. Or and that's even just making a film or making anything, mm-hmm. making a song is like telling a story and just hopefully this can at least give you something, a feeling that you didn't know you were going to feel and felt. And hopefully it made you look at something differently or something in your own life triggers something to you. Maybe could be just a conversation with somebody or it could be how you look at that person on the street who's sitting there saying some crazy ass things, but maybe they're saying something deeper Mm. or just seeing their point of view of like, wow, maybe a homeless person has seen everything on such a level that none of us really get to experience that maybe they know something we don't know Mm -hmm. or why does somebody act a certain way? And then it's as simple as trauma and how it affects. Mm. Do you feel exposed by it? Is that why it's hard for you for people to see it? Because do you feel like like it's the equivalent of them not seeing you? I don't think I've experienced these things in the same way. I've experienced them from witnessing it. But I mean, pain I think, is pain. I think, yeah, I know. It's also, yeah, exactly. But it's also like a little bit of a fear was like telling other people's stories or just mm. telling a story that I feel that I, coming from a place of, empathy and just understanding and trying to but there's also a fear of like why did you make this right like who are you to make it yeah and but then I was like why wouldn't I right and also with uh creatives the concern we might have is are people ready because this theme has always been there Mm -hmm. but when you're releasing it, is everyone ready to hear this story? And it definitely wasn't mm. when I first did it in Tribeca oh. two years ago. I wasn't ready to put it out. Mm. I where I was emotionally at two years ago, you know, you met me. I'm sure there's been a bit of an evolution. I can't imagine two years ago putting it out. Like I just wouldn't even be able to talk. I'd probably be in a shell crawled away somewhere, like trying to sabotage it coming out, even mm. though I really have been dreaming of it coming out for years. So how did you get from two years ago to today? Like just random events of uh, pandemics, and uh, <laughs> you know, like it was it slowed everything down, and then it became urgency for content to come out. People passed on this. Most people passed on it. it would go. Mm. It got to a certain point at a lot of places, and then once it reached us, like I have my own thoughts about the film and the industry and what people really want to put out there, what they don't want to be put out there. It's all weird to me. It's not that I didn't know it. I just, it was just so polarizing to see that it was like, Oh yeah, that's, it really is this. Mm, Because the arts in general, you know, we're dependent on the media to share your story. It's strange because again, I feel like there's quite a triad here where you're, you create something, you want to share a story. It's very meaningful. You want to share it with society because you think it will have transformative qualities, Mm. you know, the hope, the intention. But when the industry comes back and says, this isn't what people want, it's very confusing. You better just walk your walk anyway. 
I, when the pandemic hit, I wrote a book because I thought it was time to share uh, some stuff from my near-death experiences. And um, the feedback I've had is so shocking to me, which is from the industry to say, we don't know where to put you. We like your story. We like your writing, but we don't know where to put you. So we can't offer you anything. There's no place. There's no category. That's pretty much the same kind of thing I had. That's what I was wondering. Like, what do we, but it was even beyond that. It became like, it, it, it was a little more sinister, even beyond that. It was mm. like, I don't know. Maybe I read too deep into things, but I think no. it says a lot about society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think anytime you're trying to grow to a certain point or past a certain <laughs> point, there's definitely some level of gatekeepering where you know, the systems become harder to hack into for some reason. Because I think about both of your quote-unquote careers, like, you know, Julie, you moved back here from Swaziland, where you literally worked in the bush, Mm. and you set up shop in Chicago, and you had no idea how you were going to have a practice. Mm -hmm. And it just happened. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like all of a sudden you had Mm -hmm. too many clients to even be able to handle because Mm -hmm. it was this word of mouth thing. And it was your work carrying you through word of mouth. And then Mm -hmm. with you, Nabs, like one of the things I think you're probably resistant to acknowledge is that you would have been probably one of the best A&R agents. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on the I'll planet take that. I'll take that one. <laughs> because you literally like you discover people and you discover things I think that's part of your gift is that you really see people and who they are before everybody else does mm-hmm. and I mean I love that story of you being a huge Kanye fan before anybody really knew Kanye mm-hmm. outside of Chicago and then he bought Kanye's URL online. Like he went online and bought <laughs> KanyeWest.com. 12 bucks. For 12 bucks. Because nobody knew Kanye. But why did you do it? I was just trying to find this guy in Chicago. And then I was like, well, I'll at least check his website and like see if I there's a contact on him. It was like, you can buy this for 12 bucks. <laughs> if I'm not going to buy someone else's. So I so bought it. He bought the website. And then, of course, Kanye got signed, blew up, and the record label or Kanye, I'm not sure his people, the record label contacted Nabil and they were like, hey, how much do you want for this URL? Like, we need the URL. Yeah, they thought I was like a squatter, one of those guys like... Yeah, that like makes hustles URLs. And Nabil was like, I actually don't want any money. I just want the opportunity to photograph Kanye. So if you set up a photo shoot, then I'll do it. And then... It was essentially like the rest was history. Like Nabil did a photo shoot with Kanye. Kanye loved the photos. He ended up using them for his album cover for his first press press stuff. And then it was like the magic story where he like went on tour with him. They made a beautiful book together. And then they, they just created this relationship. And then he did the same thing with Frank Ocean and then did the same thing with Travis. And he's just like done this so effortlessly but I think it was because it's just you and people recognizing you and the synergy that happens Mm -hmm. when you're not in the framework of an industry 
Mm. And it's like, once you go to a certain point, all of a sudden, no, this is how you have to do it. And there's no, there's no room for invention or individuality. Mm. And by the way, like, it's like what you're saying. And I appreciate everything you're saying. It just made me think it's like, there's no category for you. That's the, that should be on to them, the greatest gift or like, there's no movie like this. Those should be like the greatest selling points of like, oh, great. Someone's going to see something completely that they've never seen before. And that's some of the feedback I've got. Like, yeah, this is like some shit that I've never seen before. What the fuck? So they're giving you a compliment. They're just like, we don't know how to do our jobs. All right. We don't want to do more than what our job is. Exactly. Which is to find a shelf and plunk it on it. Yeah. But these are the type of things like, and this is what I'm hoping for is that these are those things that are not supposed to happen that way. Yeah. That are supposed to happen on their own and, and they're going to find their way in, and become something long lasting and, you know, have those cult followings, I hope. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Because that lives on. Yeah. Because you always pay it forward. Mm-hmm. Someone sees a film like that, they have to tell everyone they know. And it's a ripple effect. It affects people. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, your favorite films, they affect your life forever. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's like, if you think about it, like, I remember watching that documentary about Queen. And it's like the guy that thought Bohemian Rhapsody was a yes. done song, yes. you know? Yes. And it took 10 years. Yes. The song was out for 10 years before it hit the charts. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Bohemian That's promising. Rhapsody. That's promising. Yeah. For 10, <laughs> it existed for 10 years. And then all of a sudden, somebody heard the song and put it in a movie. Wayne's World. Yeah. And it became number one on the charts. It's literally now, today, one of the highest grossing songs of all time. Wow. It's just crazy to me how one person can put something into motion that could be so big, mm-hmm. you know? And then in the same regard, one person can hold something back Yes, that has so much potential to yes. change the face of culture or the world or a thought concept which is once we get acclimated like for the the thought concepts that weave through your film then someone else is going to take that and take it further or Mm -hmm. you know maybe the awareness starts up a project or I mean it's alive it's not just something you watch yeah I love that and same with the book it's like once that comes out when it will it will and just Mm -hmm. self-publishing which in this day and age can even become something better i really feel like some of it has so much to do with inequality because it feels like such a masculine way of doing things or like where everything has to be counted and measured in order for it Mm -hmm. to be valuable you know, even with you, when you were taking meetings, they were like, well, how many Instagram followers it's so crazy. do you have? Yeah. The value system is just based on these metrics that are not really indicative of anything real. Or maybe sometimes I wonder if like art and materialism have this kind of weaving together. And I don't think the goal is to ride those waves. I think the goal is to keep on creating and keeping authentic and break ground Mm -hmm. until the industry of materialism is quenched and we look for the creative Mm -hmm. to support, you know? I love that theory. 
Mm-hmm. Is that part? Is it will? When will it ever be quenched? Because it feels like it's getting more and more. Yes. Well, it's also difficult. I mean, I struggle with this because as a creative, I think whenever money is introduced into the equation, it changes things. You know. Yes. Because for me, I had a lot of freedom. I had more freedom to make whatever I wanted to make and do whatever I wanted to do before I experienced financial success with a certain product or with a certain Mm. thing. Because then you try to feed the thing that's paying your bills and you're not as free. And so it's a constant being able to check in with yourself to really be true to yourself rather than be true to the thing that you think will be financially beneficial. You almost have to get to a point, like I got to do that with music videos and like photos. I got to that point where I got to the point of delivering photos where there was no creative. It was like, I'm going to do my thing and I'm going to give it to you. And then that became music videos like you know, with the balance of like, you want to make sure you're delivering something always that I always made sure I did that. Like that was my always goals to like, at least compliment a song, not take away from it and hopefully add. Mm. But, you know, and then I did that on, on the photo side and then you get, you know, on the video side and then you want to do the same thing with film, but it's a lot more moving parts. It's a lot more money. It's a lot more different energies of people whose control is like, that's why I'm saying the film thing is just like, I'm in that weird position where I put something out that I'm proud of. I'm really happy with it, but, and sure people are responding to it. And, Mm -hmm. but like, I'm not in a position now where I can go do another one and make it how I want to make it. You know what I mean? Because you're waiting for the energy to come back at you. And so once people know what you bring, then you're going to attract those kinds of financial backers who will want to see your next project through. I mean, this is the thing. That's why you are that brave because only that will bring the right financial backing as well, except it's a giant X factor. Right. But it is such a natural segue from photography to film. I mean, it's so natural. Everything that Melody described in your history that led you here, that's a natural progression. It's not random or a leap. It's so very strange that the industry isn't there to receive you. Yeah, that's what I want. Yes. And I want it for a lot of people, you know, like I would love, like my thing is like storytelling. If somebody could just put a fund together mm-hmm. and they would make so much, like if it is about money, give me the money. Mm. let me try to put together good stories because people do actually want good stories. Mm -hmm. And I feel that if you make great stories and you had a little bit of money to go for marketing instead of copious amounts of money thrown at any project that's cost 50 times as much to make, like you could make 30 of those and at least place your bet on 20 of them being really great and making, you know what I'm saying? Like start focusing on great storytelling and giving any voices, just great new voices, the ability to make things. And, and I feel that even financially, they could make a lot more money. Mm-hmm. Like everyone could win. Yeah, on something new versus just repeating a formula that to them is guaranteed. Absolutely. Well, that kind of winds us back 
like before, before, before everything ever happened at all. How long is your germination stage? Yeah, this took a long time. This was like mm. six years at least mm. of my life. The good news is I was making things at the same time. Every step of the way, it was like, no, no. Like I fought to make this film in every step of the way. I fought with myself. I fought with people. And it was just like nonstop, even up to the day of shooting. But a lot of it was like I was putting it out there like it was other people. A lot of it was myself. So it was great learning. I think everything happened for a reason to make it the film the best what it is now and for me to grow as a person but like I wouldn't do it again it was a long you wouldn't process. do it again what do you mean like I wouldn't do it way? the same way okay uh-huh. that's why I'm right now I'm like I don't even know if I want to make another film mm-hmm. I want to make things though I want to make things that can inspire or create conversations well and also you just released it so you're probably exhausted it's like giving birth you know yeah. you're not going to go out and run a marathon you're yeah. just going to take it in and be like wow I just I created this masterpiece and now I have to restore, you know, replenish and get a new vision of like, how did I get here and what would I do different? Yeah. I'm curious about um, when you were fighting yourself, is that because of the inner dynamics involved as things unfold, like old stuff or new stuff? Probably old stuff. Mm -hmm. And just like, seeing myself I had good people around me and I had people that weren't that great around me so I had the balance of both to kind of show me how I'm acting and then help show how other people are acting and then show intentions it was a real you know I'll be honest with you I'm so confused but I know that it was all for the good Well, nobody tells you all that's involved in the creative process. I mean, when Melody first started designing, I had the privilege of being her friend. So I get to hear about it and she tells me about it. And then I see what she designed. Then I see what she creates. Then I see it produced. Mm. And I go, oh my gosh, there's so many stages to this. And nobody's there guiding you to tell you, by the way, that thing you just put in for this person to print, it came back wrong. Yeah. And you just spent all the money you had. The good news is it was the greatest because you, same thing with me. Like you are, mm. know how to do every step of the way now. Like I f- feel bad saying it, but I had producers that were gone the day after shooting. And for the last three years of my life, I've been producing. And don't get me wrong, there was an amazing person too, like Gabby, who stepped up from one role and, took other people's roles. So there was great people along the way, but like VFX supervisor, music supervisor, clearances, like I learned mm. it all. I learned every piece of the puzzle mm. by, which is great. Like it was the hardest thing. And I did four times as much as I'm learning that is the norm, I guess. Mm-hmm. So it was real tough. But now like mm. you've been through trial and error. Yeah. You know those pieces along the way. Yeah. What you need to strengthen, what team you need here. And that's so important because it teaches you how to ask different questions of people and of things. And then it also gives you confidence to of where you can push the envelope. Uh, I've always done my own manufacturing and production and dealing with a lot of these factories is so difficult because... I'll design something and then I'll take it to them and they'll be like, oh, we can't make this. And I'm like, why can't you make it? Because I was actually there going to them and like seeing what was happening. 
I realized that it wasn't that they couldn't make it. They just didn't want to because it was out of their norm. And after going through so many processes of like knowing when to push something, when not to, when not to give up, because otherwise I would just give up. I'd be like, oh, well, maybe I can't make any of the things that are, but it's not that it's just going up against these systems. I love this because it's like the perfect practice. It's the perfect spiritual, mental, emotional, psychic practice because you know yourself well enough to know, I need to do this. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is, I feel this. And then the world comes back at you and says, you can't do this. So you have to go into your private personal space and you take it to the next step and you find a different resource. But that Mm. is what is so powerful about being seen by somebody that you really trust or love or respect. Like, I remember the first time I worked with you on a professional level, Smushy, you said some things about me that nobody would have ever known. And actually, when I got off the phone with you, I said, I was telling Junie the other night, like, this bitch is crazy. Like, I don't know what she's saying. I don't know. I've never designed a single thing in my life. And she's telling me that I'm gifted with products. Like, what? But it's because you said so many other things that were so deeply true that nobody knew and that I trusted you. And then when I came back to you and worked with you again, I felt so seen by you. It was all I needed. It was just like one person to tell me that that's what I am and that's what I can do. And and then I didn't let anything else stop me because that's what I carried. I was like, I can do it. It's so simple. Like I said at the beginning, it's like one person can hold something back that's so big and one person can allow something that's so big. And we're so much more important and powerful than we think. Mm -hmm. Now it makes sense when people are like, I don't feel seen. Mm -hmm. Like you hear that come up a lot. It's one of those things that people say and you can just wash over it until you really think about that, Mm -hmm. until you've experienced it. Right. And there's a difference between egoic, Mm -hmm. I don't feel seen, and your life, soul, expression not being seen. Because your ego can handle a whole lot of rejection. But I think the soul is meant to wake up and say, wait, what? Well, if you don't see me, then I think I'm going to go this other route and express it anyway. Because that's the whole point of being here. Yeah, that was another thing I think when you, you, we were talking about the whole dynamics of um, learning things and, mm-hmm. and, and oh, factory production. Yeah, like mm-hmm. and then taking that, then I took that into like as I'm growing as a person into like how I can be with others. Like if I'm that passionate and strong and have that much will with my work, then I should be able to have that with people and how you treat people mm-hmm. and how like you know you think about different ways of talking to people or how like people react and what they might be going through and then taking that whole thing. And like, that's how I've been trying to think, you know, like I don't give up on if I feel like there's somebody I can reach out to and create a a better vibe in a relationship. I'll push it now. Whereas before I would have just moved on or run, run away from it or, or not, you know, Mm. so I'm using that too as like catalyst and thinking of like all these strengths I've had in making a film or making anything is like I need to be able to do that at a human level with the people I'm around me 
Yes, absolutely. I totally understand what you're saying. We can all always work on that. But I feel like just in the context of you doing your job or your passion, you you kind of are doing that. Like the actors that you cast in this film, you know, I'm so grateful to know them now. I mean, mm-hmm. is his name Jacob Lattimore? Yeah. Oh my God. Like all of them, all of them. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, going back to the Kanye thing, I think that only in your lane, you have that vision. You're able to spot that thing about people in a really special way. And then you bring it to the forefront and then you create an environment where they're, where they can shine in the most beautiful way. That's literally what you do, whether it's a photo shoot or a movie set. Yeah. I'll tell you what's tough though like on this film it was really like I had to push I had to work with them and sometimes not be the best version of me yeah but to get people did you see the Jordan documentary yeah I mean he was not nice that's what I'm saying like I had those moments and but I think that that's okay I don't know why I mean sure but if somebody is Mm. so in their if they're really striving to create something that's never been created before or to become something that's never existed before mm-hmm. and you can't do it alone, you have to carry everybody else with you. Like, I really respect Michael Jordan. And I mean, sure, he was hard on people, but... I they mean, got seven championships. They got seven championships. And I bet you all of them look back and mm-hmm. are thankful for him. Well, yeah. And I mean, his story as well, whatever you didn't receive, you want to give and you want to give to the utmost. And so sometimes that requires going to unknown places or places you didn't think you were. Mm. And, you know, nothing happens on a straight line anyway. So you're going to be in a situation where you've never been there. They've never been there. And you're at maybe the zero hour. So you're going to unpack some other special qualities. Yeah, no, it was, I'm grateful for the balance of where we got to, but there was times where I was like, is this what I'm supposed to do? But I just had to do it because we had to get to a certain place and we had to, you know, a very limited amount of time, 20 days. And with people, I shot the last scene the first day. Wow. Which was nuts. Which was like the weirdest thing on earth. Like I got on set and like, by the way, tomorrow we're changing. We got it. We're starting off with that with the final scene. I was like, we're doing what? Mm. I haven't even spent hours with them together on set. Yeah, it was, oh, it was, that is Yeah, so I was like, okay, throw me in the deep end, which was... <laughs> wow, Nabs. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, then you were ready for anything. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. It's like, I got thrown every step of the way of making this, thrown these things, but I think that it all happened for a reason. So I'm grateful for it. But it was like at the time I was in war. Well, I really appreciate you being so candid about it because we all see the end, like the Instagram trailer. And sometimes we do really hard things and people just see the end and they're like, oh, that's so cool. He did that. But they have no idea about what it took. Right. Yeah. To get there. The struggle. Yeah. (laughs) And so many people are deterred by doing something like that because they don't think that they can do it. Anyone, here's the crazy thing is like, listen, if I could get that made and get it out somehow, I think a lot of things can get done. 
Mm. People, if they really believe in what they do. But here's the thing. I feel like if it's not something that you really believe in and that you really love, you won't get far before you quit. Like you would have never stuck through it like you did. Yeah, I read something. You know what it is actually too, is I told myself two things. The day I read the script, one of them, the thing I said is, I'm not making a film until I make this film. Mm. I told myself that at the, when I was laying hungover in bed when I was drinking, back when I drank, when I read the script. I said, I remember wow. laying there saying, I'm not making anything until I make this film. And I told my agent at the time that. And he's like, uh, okay. <laughs> and I just made sure I stuck with that. I'm not making any film. I'm not making any long form anything until I make this. And yeah. Do you realize you like signed a contract that day? Yeah. With myself, yeah. With yourself. Like, you were locked in. And then I had to put a film out before I was 40. Wait, you said that? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I'm 39. Yeah. motion. Yeah, I, that one I was like, ooh, this is going to be rough. Mm. Because I don't know if this is going to... And I don't know where the number came from. I think it's just 40. But I was like, I have to put out my first film before 40. Mm. I love that. I thank you for sharing that. Because I feel like it demystifies a little bit about... You know, when people are in the cloud stage where like there's just every creative thought and it's swimming around in your head and I could do this and I could do this. Maybe I should do that. No, maybe I should do this. And then there's a gelling that happens because you wonder how do you get from that place where all ideas are equal to the place where you unbeknownst to you called yourself into being and there's no turning back. Yeah, because even the script back then is not even close to what it is at the end. Like, mm-hmm. But I knew that there was something there yeah. that I read it that I felt like an emotional response. I was like, oh, I got to make this. This is for me. It happened to me. A guy came up to me randomly. He was like, I've been trying to get this to you. And I'm looking at the dude like, okay, bro, send it to me. You that know? was it. I love yeah. that. Yeah. So that's the part you can't control. Yeah, I think things happen. And I think if you can find that part in yourself where you really believe and feel something and you make a commitment to something and stick to it it's all possible it definitely might not be what you thought it was going to be I never thought it was going to be exactly what it is and I'm happy at what it became when you were a child did you ever have a fast forward sense of like I could be this I could be doing this no I don't know I didn't know what I was going to be Right. It just came one after another. Like I was a photographer, like I was filming. I was never, I was a guy on the beach hanging out. I was a surfer. I was a surfer, but I was nowhere near as good. And I wasn't quite accepted because I was not that good of a surfer. And I, I, I didn't grow up as long as these guys in that world. So I ended up being the guy on the beach filming. And then from there, or taking photos. And then I became really good at that. And then I was like, okay. And then came across and started, you know, like it was just chain reaction. I don't know what it is. It's like, mm-hmm. I feel that the more I don't fight something, the more I just kind of like go with the flow, mm-hmm. things present themselves. Mm. But I think that's why this movie was so hard. Because like I said, it hit that industry point where it wasn't, a, it wasn't the flow anymore. Whereas yeah. up to now, you were like, this is, I go wherever I'm called. And it's so confusing when you're called to a place and then you hit a wall. That's foreign because your idea is the leavening. Yes. And the institution you're working with is almost 
like there's no malleability. It's just crystallized concrete. Yeah. You know, and it it's not receptive. That's a fascinating Dang. inevitability. And we're trying to do things that hopefully like serve the planet. Serve the planet. And it's like guys, like but here's that thing. This is a question I have, and maybe this is more for you, Jewel. But I remember when I was working on the Lauren Hill project, it took me so long to do this collaboration. I remember you saying something to me where you're like, Well, you've invested so much energy into this, it's bound to come back. And I felt like, okay, right away after, because I was like, yes, I've put everything that I have Mm. into this. And I've been Mm. putting everything I have into this for so long. Mm. It has to return in some way. Mm. So is there something about energy? Like Nabil spent the last six years investing his energy into this. You spent all this time investing your energy into this book. Is there some kind of mystery about how that energy returns or Mm -hmm. does it return? Mm. How? I mean, A, there are mysteries here. Like life is not something that we can explain. So there are mysteries. Like why do some people get sacrificed before they like offer their fruits? I don't know the mystery. It goes back to the earth and comes back in thought. And I mean, there's so much that we can't understand. But I do think there's something that creates momentum when you just keep following that thing, which is why I was asking you about your childhood. And I know even myself, you know, my parents were terrified that people would find out about me. I mean, apoplectic with fear. And they made such a big imprint on me that I was like, oh, this is top secret. So I I don't mention it. But at home, it drove my dad's an artist. It drove him insane. I kept drawing because he's always like, come to the studio, let's draw. And I would draw a big eye with light coming through it. And he'd say, that's a lovely eye. I think you're very good at drawing eyes. Why don't you try something else? I would draw another eye. I would draw another eye. I just kept drawing until he was like, I think there's something wrong with her. <laughs> you wow. know, but I couldn't not because I, all day long, nobody talks about the light. Nobody talks that the light influences us here. Nobody, not my teachers. And I kept wondering, well, maybe next year, maybe when I'm in second grade, they talk about it. Oh, maybe when I'm in fourth grade, they'll talk about it. So you remember this? Absolutely. And so the best I could do was remind myself in something symbolic. And I felt so much better every time I drew another eye with light coming out of it. Until finally later on, I was like, you know what? I think that's what got me here. Mm-hmm. Until you're not afraid anymore. Of, if nobody else knows about it, maybe I'm supposed to share about it. Yeah, It's not already been done. And that's what you're doing. And that's what you did. And even if you weren't aware that you create these amazing products and you're gifted at like taking something, changing the energy of it, transforming it so that people can now embrace it. Wow, that's very powerful. But I bet when you were little, you did the same thing with different things. It's just that it wasn't considered. That's what I love about not taking yourself so utterly serious. Mm. You know, weren't we just talking about basketball? We were talking about these new players, the young players, and how they're just already coming so mature and ready and crazy. But that's because they've been developed since they were like five with a coach. 
So they have no choice. They have to go pro. Mm. But what if you do it just for the love of the game? Mm -hmm. And it's really about something else. It's about something deeper, about what you bring to the game, mm -hmm. not playing the game. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm like, I was blessed to have been called to it. I didn't go to film school. Mm -hmm. I didn't do any of that. You didn't go to film school? Yeah, oh my God, school. Nabs. How did you get into photography? Um, I just did it in Australia. I did, I mean, I did a year of community college, like darkroom in Chicago, College of DuPage. Oh, yeah. COD. Of course. Yeah, I did a digital. I learned Photoshop and I learned okay. the darkroom. But I just experimented with skateboarders and surfers when I was young. Just kept doing it. I just tried every camera. I assisted a couple of photographers and learned. Film was just one of those things I just learned too. I just did. Same with you, you know, like trying new things. That's the amazing. best film school there is. I couldn't even comprehend someone going to film school. You know what I'm saying? The best film school is going to PA on set. You know, and then spending that $40,000 a year or whatever it is and like making your own film. Mm -hmm. And then the next year making a better one. Experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I understand people going to school to learn basics mm -hmm. or but I don't think you need school for that. It's no. like you might need school to learn law and to learn academic things mm. but, but creativity and art I think is a yeah I even remember when I was looking into art schools which I never ended up going but I was really curious about them and I would hear like okay if you want to because I loved cars so I was kind of interested I was like well the ultimate product is a car so I really mm. wanted to design cars and art center in Pasadena was like the number one mm -hmm. school and people would always say, if you want to get a job at a design company, you go to Art Center because they groom you to work for a company. Whereas like if you want to work for yourself, you go to somewhere like RISD and, you know, they give you more freedom. And looking back and then meeting so many people that had gone to art school, I mean, no knock against them. I think it's amazing to have a space to cultivate, but I was so happy I didn't know the references. Like people were like, oh, you never use Helvetica font or, you know, it's like all these rules of engagement that I didn't have any relationship to. So I was an influence by it and I was more free to just do whatever I wanted. Whereas I felt like if I went to school and I was, if I was exposed to that culture of like mm. what's cool and what's acceptable and what's not. And, mm. oh, this is the so-and-so method that everybody respects. And mm. if you don't follow this, you're, you know, you're a lesser creative. It would have really fucked with me in a way that mm. I wouldn't have wanted. Mm. Of course. Everything you just said as I'm here, I'm like, that's why I wouldn't. That's why. <laughs> yeah. I yes. I don't want someone telling me like this is not a good font. Like what who's to say what a good font is? Who's yeah. to say when it's supposed to be used or like anything? Yeah, it kind of creates like a classist uh, superiority. Like I went to this school, so I learned this method and this method. Is I almost superior. felt like I got a pride out of the fact that I did didn't. I was but like, it took me a long time. Because I felt that was my but it, inadequacy. But it didn't take you a long time. It took you a different journey. Like, a different journey. Yeah, because the people that might have done it, they spent a lot of time learning to do something that isn't their own. Yes. That isn't, I'm not saying that is the case, but like they yeah. might have spent years being pushed and manufactured into something that might not be their true expression. Whereas yes. you just spent a 
however long it took to find your voice. Yeah, it's process. Because even with artists, like there's so many painters that I look at that come out of school and have a certain style. Mm -hmm. And then you just watch their style change. And it's like, all of a sudden they'll have, they'll paint like a series years later. And you're like, there they are. They're finally, they found themselves. Mm. Like they were able to remove all the, you know, layers of whatever they had learned. Mm -hmm. And they finally unlearned everything Mm. to get to themselves. And then you find like a Basquiat and then you're like, yeah. Oh, ready made. Yeah. Just knew who he was. I wish I was like, well, it requires a freedom. And I think also a strange focus with your inner lens where you don't let go of this thing that keeps calling you. Yeah. Well, Nabs, I feel like you're like that. You always know exactly what you want and you don't care Mm -hmm. about what it sounds like, looks like, what anybody else feels about it. You're just like, this is what we're doing. No, don't do that. Yes, do that. Like, you don't yeah. seem to be wavering. In- I'm, I'm wavering, but I'm like things like, for instance, an editor. What I love to do with an editor is I don't give them a treatment. I give them the footage mm. and I, I give them a little bit if they need, if they can't, you know what I mean? But like you do your thing because mm-hmm. there's going to be things in there. If I go in there and I edit exactly what I is in my head, I know what I already have in my head. I can deliver that and it's going to be cool, but you might add a little something to it that mm. I never thought of out of something I had captured. And then I can use that little bit. And I do have what's in my head, but I also want to be pushed. Mm-hmm. I like to be pushed. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the dreamiest possibility of all when you run into people who have expertise that you don't, but they know how to compliment you and they assist you in where you're going, but you're also allowing them mm-hmm. the privilege of expressing their gifts. Yeah. That, that's that's yeah. fun. That's magic. It is that's magic, magic because there's also something magical that happens when you trust somebody to do that. I think mm-hmm. it it pushes them in a different way. Like I know anytime somebody's just said that to me, like just I want to see what you do with it. It brings out a part of me or a side of me that I didn't even know was in there. And I was like, wait, I, I can do that. I can go there. And then I do. And it's amazing. That's where some of my best relationships have, Mm. or friendships have developed or creative relationships. Same, same, same. So cool. Well, Nabs, there is um, a question we ask all our guests. And that is, is there anything in the world that you wanted to see happen by now that hasn't happened yet? For the world? Or in your world. Mm-hmm. Um, for my world, I'd love to get rid of a lot of physical, internal stress and pain. Mm. Things that I think I'm holding on to something that I don't know. I haven't quite discovered what it is yet. Mm. And and those are things you've carried for a long time. Mm. Yeah. And did you think they'd be gone by now? Mm-hmm. And did you have a magic number in your head like you did with the film? No. That's the problem. <laughs> I need to find that magic number. Of Set a goal. <laughs> yeah, I'm working to it. So yeah, no, I'm getting, I'm getting there. I think with things like breath work and stuff like that, I'm mm. tapping into things more. Mm-hmm. Um. 
I'm at the finish line. So it's like, ah, I want to. You look wonderful, Nabil. I was thinking about when I first met you and I, you look fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's just really gratifying to me. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It's quite gratifying to hear. <laughs> thank you guys so much for thank having you, me. Uh, thank you for that coming. Was And that's our show. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find the Butterfly Forecast every Tuesday with a new episode available wherever you do your podcasting. Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher. Hope to see you then. We'll see you next time.